You're listening to Dynamo's Dust. Now let's welcome your host, Team Dynamo Kelly. Welcome to Dynamo's Dozen, the podcast that I bring you each and every single week where I will talk about whatever may be on my mind from pro wrestling, sports, entertainment, music, movies, muesli, fresh socks and jocks and everything in between, never forgetting the talk. And it's closing in on the weekend, guys, and I have a great entertaining guest on for you today, one of my uh, one of my co-hosts on the four podmen. And also his very own podcast, Nerd to Know Basis. Dara O'Connor uh, is going to be joining me momentarily. Going to have a great chat about a lot of different stuff, a lot of a lot of uh, similar interests to myself. So, I suppose what have I got for you today? Other than no update on anything else. There's still we're still isolating. Um, no news. I, I I take it it's pretty worldwide at the moment um hope everyone's doing well hope everyone is safe hope uh hope you're all following the guidelines and not uh, not being an asshole and going out and ruining it for everybody else so uh if uh if you're bored guys there's lots of stuff you can do so just keep doing what you're doing and uh let's just get right into this uh episode today because it's a very very interesting chat with uh with Daryl Connor Dara and was actually a journalist, and he worked for TNA also. Um, he's worked with multiple, still does work with multiple podcasts. Um, he's worked in the Irish wrestling scene as well. Um, man of many talents, and a uh, and a, a gentleman of a guy. And like I said, one of my co-hosts on the Four Podmen. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Happy, happy Thursday, everyone. So, welcome to Dynamo's Dozen, and I'm very happy here today to have uh, one member of the uh, the four Podmen, but most importantly, um, his own show, the Nerd to Know Podcast. Dara, how are you, my friend? And thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time out in this very busy uh, period to meet me face to face here. <laughs> how, are how are you? How are you going on in? Thanks Good, for my on. friend. Good. Um, yeah. So, obviously strange strange times as we kind of mentioned on the on the four podmen podcast but a lot of people mm. might not listen to the same shows so um i'll just do a little bit of a background there you are the the newest member obviously of the four podmen but you've also ran a very successful show yourself called nerd to know yeah um which is doing pretty well for itself would you give us a bit of a background on yourself and on the on that particular podcast as well yeah that podcast kind of fell into my lap um a little bit. Thanks for the kind words. I do appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Um, it's yeah, it fell into my lap a little bit because we were working with Phoenix for the past like ten years, uh, Phoenix of Emma Blanche. So sure. I was doing a show called the Rest of You International Desk or Rest of You, depending on who you talk to. And we were doing that for about ten years, and um, 
kind of got a bit sick of talking about wrestling when it got really bad. Yeah. So we're like, right, let's let's just, you know, because working in the wrestling media for as long as I was, you're kind of like, you know what, there's only so many times you can say WWE is bad before you get sick of it. This is true, yeah. Yeah, so what happened then was uh, the opportunity to take over their show, Nerd to No Basis, came up. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. And then we did it for a while and we realized we actually really like doing it. So it's it's expanded out now to being its own kind of thing, Nerd to No Media. So we have like the show on Saturday, but then we have like two or three shows during the week. And it's, it's grown now, actually. We're doing a, a conference call there like two or, three day, two or three nights ago about some plans we have. So, you know, if you're into like pretty much anything on that spectrum of like nerd culture, video games, um, anime, it, even we have a wrestling show there as well, The Rewind. It's all kind of there. So if you go to nerdtoknowmedia.com, you can kind of get, you know, video content streams and podcasts as well. So it's kind of a little hub we're trying to aim towards. And now in the time of lockdown, like there's lots of free time. So why not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the same with myself. I mean, with the other podcasts, you know, and as you say, like a podcast, you, you know, if you have an interest in any particular, you know, specific genre, you can make so many different podcasts specific to that. Mm. Um, particular thing that you want to talk about or you can kind of mesh it all together yeah. so different perspectives all the time yeah it's something obviously here on Dynamo's Dozen that we wanted to kind of get done for a while is kind of have some sort of kind of a network where we can put all the podcasts together and stuff like that so as you say it's a really great idea and uh, obviously encourage people to go and check it out I've checked it out it's great stuff so thanks man um, and obviously we're working together a little bit now too so it's it's, it's always cool to to learn new things from from people with different uh, different perspectives, and obviously you're you're in the game quite a long time because, as you mentioned there, you you, you have a journalism background, so yeah. you yeah. Um, you you worked, I guess, interviewing some of the wrestling guys back in the day, probably mm-hmm. with the the little recorder gimmick and stuff. You probably had to do a lot of that, did you? Yeah, it was weird. Like I kind of I started in the wrestling journalism thing. Almost by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you remember a show, and this is only going to be literally for Dublin people, if you remember a show called WWR. Yeah, I do. And we're I not do. going to get too much into that because of what happened. Okay. Uh, well, not, not, nothing personal, obviously, but the, the craziness that I found out about later on about some people involved in that place, uh, it was wild. But um, yeah. I've yeah. been in the wrestling promotions in this city as well, dude. Yeah. <laughs> nothing there, yeah. There was DC, DCW was a thing as well. I remember yes, that. Sir. Um, yes, sir. I was, I was, I was there. I, uh, were you on the roster? I, I was. I did. Um, I'll tell you a funny story actually, because I don't really care shooting on certain people, you know. Well, I look. Uh, hold on, I just want to say this isn't a shoot. This is just it's part of the story. So. It's oh just yeah, yeah. What it is. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll segue. No, um, the guy that ran it. Well, there was kind of two guys that ran it, but one yeah. guy that ran it. Yeah. Um, he uh, he kind of got me on board through a mutual friend, a good friend, actually. Shout out Danny Deans. Actually. Uh, Danny's a great guy. I know Danny. Great guy. Yeah. Love Danny. Love Danny. Um, Danny kind of got me involved in it when I was kind of hemming and hawing about possibly coming back. Did mm-hmm. a show for them. Was very happy with the setup initially. I liked it. Got on great with, obviously, the locker room because I knew most of them. Got on well with the kind of management side of it. They were pretty cool. And then I heard that uh, management was spouting his mouth off to a... Uh, the, basically the head of Fight Factory Pro Wrestling uh, one day in the pub and um, basically got sparked out. <laughs> so that kind of ended my DCW run because I kind of my loyalties were with 
yeah with Fight Factory where I came from you know what I mean so, yeah that's fair um, that, was, that was the only dealings I ever had at that time but then obviously with what, everything that transpired from that um, I was kind of glad I got out to be honest. Yeah, like my um my involvement was less DCW and more the actual show itself. Um, sure. I started doing some comment. I did some a fair amount of commentary for DCW. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man, it's a small world. Yeah, right. It's yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I, like, and that all kind of happened purely by accident, almost. Um, because I was just I was doing the show on uh on the radio at the time and they're like hey we need yeah. you to we need you to come in and, and do this here, here here's the roster i'm like okay so i end up doing a fair amount of shows for them i think i did three or four shows um i can't remember it's all the same at, yeah. at that point <laughs> and you're just kind of sitting there going okay well i guess i'm a commentator now and then yeah. after i did that um i ended up well um before the ecw let's go back again yeah, yeah, um, yeah. they brought me in to do tna stuff Cool. Because I was at the Impact Zone and I ended up just basically getting involved in it. So it started off as a bi-weekly, monthly thing. And then every week I was on the show. Um, brought up then to be more heavily involved in the show as one of the main hosts. With Danny, actually, I remember hosting a show with Danny a fair bit. Yeah. And then it just kind of transpired that I was end up doing commentary. And it was weird to do commentary over the phone rather than thing was, was very, very strange. Yeah, um, I'd imagine that would be pretty uh, pretty difficult as well, to be fair. But some weird things happened where just around the implosion where I had I had the, the guy who was running the show in my ear while I was doing the show. And I was like, I hate this. This is pretty terrible. Yeah. And then, obviously, they imploded with DCW. <laughs> it was just like, okay, this is crazy. So <laughs> that's how I kind of got on the radar. And what happened then was... I started discovering that there was more shows out there talking about wrestling. Because remember, this was 2000, 2009, 2010. It would have been 2009, yeah, 2010, yeah. So it was, it was before podcasting was like a big thing over here. I remember it was before Skype was even a big thing over here. So oh, yeah. We, uh, you know, we weren't there yet, but the Yanks were. And I remember I discovered, or I was listening to a podcast called The Pro Wrestling Rewind, right? And um, that was on ESPN in the States. And they picked up a segment from WWR. And it was just weird because I was listening to the show. And by pure happenstance, yeah, that was just on the show. And I was like, oh, that's weird. So we ended up making friends with that host. And then through there, got involved with the guys in WrestleView. About a year later, um, ended up just working for WrestleView. And two years later, ended up working for The Sun through somebody else in the wrestling media who got really, who was into some crazy, horrible shit. Um, and he got completely fired and, you know, in jail and stuff. But I ended up taking his job in the sun and then got involved in TNA. So you can't script this. <laughs> you can't make no, this, you can't make really this shit. Oh, it's crazy. Like it's unreal. What it's it, it, what happened? Like, real world is crazier than pro wrestling, and it's like a pro wrestling storyline. And I'm just going yeah. through it going, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to keep working because people are, you know, doing crazy stuff and in jail and, you know, all this mad stuff. And I'm just like, I'm just going to keep talking about wrestling and end up working yeah. for TNA. Yeah, yeah. It's, and and it, it's it's pretty cool because you would have – it's so funny that you say that because it, it, it is it, – I remember, like, you know, it really is a, like a cartoon world in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? But – 
as you say, sometimes, you know, people talk about the wrestling world being kind of over the top and even soap operas in general being over the top. Then you kind of grow into an adult and you're like, wait a minute, people do this weird shit. Yeah. This is, this is, <laughs> this is strange. You know, like yeah. any part of that story sounds like it's made up. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. not. It's actually yeah. what happened. It, it's yeah. crazy, you know. And you know, even in the stuff in between it, where we went from WWR into DCW, the whole progression there was just crazy. And I was just sitting there the whole time. And obviously, Danny was involved, and I was like, "Oh, I'm happy for Danny to to get that shot." But the background stuff was just crazy. And the more and more it went, I was like, "Okay, this is this is bizarre." I remember we were we went to a match, and it was me. It was me, one of the lads that did a show. I did the show at the desk with, and then another lads, and we were in watching it in Blanchestown. I just remember thinking, yeah, this is, this is something else. And this is when they had, they booked themselves into the main event with the, the Ballymun Bruiser, if you remember him. Yeah, I know, I know Kev very well. Yeah, very yeah, good, yeah. very good guy, very good guy. But, I love him a lot. Yeah, I love, I love Kev, yeah. But the, the stuff they had them do, and it was just, it was out of this world. Like, it was just kind of so bizarre. And there was blood everywhere. And it was just like, man, what's this? You know, what is this? A lot of it was stupid. I mean, they did they did some funny things. I was part of a set of those videos. You remember when there was a bounty on Danny Dean's head? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Do you, do you remember the guy that uh, attacked him at the ATM? I don't. Uh, was, that, was that you? That was me. Oh, <laughs> No, I remember there was a whole series of them. Like they had, they, the stuff they did with Danny was always really good, and the stuff and they mine, did with, mine was the best though. And I'll tell you why because I remember straight off the bat, me and Danny were actually in Club, uh, Club Hill, O'Reilly's, yeah. Right. And um, he was coming up with ideas, and I said, "Listen, dude, I've got a great idea. There's an ATM right around the corner. I said, if there's a bounty on your head, why not have me, um, you know, say like, you know." Do you know how to... Uh, oh, yeah. You walk boy. That was it. I was like, you walk boy. And I'll say, sorry, mate. Can I ask you a question? Do you know, does this uh, cash machine dispense 10 grand? And he kind of <laughs> went like, what? And I went, fuck it. You know, we've done the, we done the, whole, the, the whole thing. Yeah. And it was, um, it, was, it was off the back of that. That just got really great feedback that I wasn't expecting. And I kind of went, oh, well, we'll run with this. It was actually pretty cool. You see, that was, like, it, was, it was during that kind of period where like, there was... There actually was an, an appetite for one for pro wrestling content and also for pro wrestling in general. Yeah, in Ireland, because it was before obviously you know OTT was involved. It was just after Celtic Pro, I think, went down and iWhip was defunct. So it was like, okay, cool, go do it. And but the actual stuff in the ring was, it was very like I remember to put it into perspective. There were two kids down the back having a great match, literally, and it was better than the stuff in the ring because they could yeah. sell. And you're like. Yeah. Ten year olds can sell better than the people in the ring. Yeah. It was uh what's the point? And these lads yeah. are these lads are in there killing each other with like chairs and thumbtacks and you're just like why? You know, why? It, yeah, it wasn't yeah, that was kind of one of the reasons I didn't like the scene. As I said, I had one match with Danny and we told the story in it and when I saw the rest of it. Now not, that's not to say a lot of the a lot of the guys that were there um have come out you know, and now they're working with, you know, Irish Whip and stuff like that. So there oh, was yeah. some, it, some great talent there, you know. It was, it was never the guys. It was never the talent no. itself. It was the... Management. It was, it, was it, was the man, it was the management and whoever was putting the matches together. Yeah. And um, the booking. And it was just... It was one of those things where you're just like, okay, this, this is not sustainable. And this <laughs> is dangerous. And it was just kind of sitting there going, okay. And then they went crazy in the, in the interim. I was just like, I couldn't believe it. 
Uh, well, we, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, actually, I remember an incident from that show. It was actually Irish Dragon, you know, was asked to do some stupid, crazy fucking spotlight. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're taking the same thing. I remember this, yeah. Yeah, I was on the show. I was the one that wrestled Danny, actually. Oh, that was that show. That yeah. makes sense. That yeah, makes yeah, sense. That I think I've seen you wrestle then. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You were yeah, there, yeah. yeah. So I was, uh, I was there. Came out to Pantera fucking uh, yesterday. Don't mean shit. I remember that actually. Yeah. Like that, was... to be right, that was a fun show. But that spot that he was asked to do was was not something that anyone. And I was guess. in agreement, and I remember Ali Mumbruzer just going off as fucking rocker about it, and, and really kind of getting crazy about it. And I, you know, I stood there, and I kind of it wasn't my place to really chime in on that because I was new in. Yeah. But uh, I remember saying to some of the boys, I was just like, "He's one hundred percent right." You know what I mean? This is fucking lunacy, absolute yeah. lunacy. Like, yeah, I mean, he was a kid at that time. You know what I mean? See, that was the thing. There were a lot of kids there. I think what was it? Uh, Thunder and Lightning was that the tag team that were there? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They were like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. And it was just like great lads as well. Yeah, it was it was like great talent, but it's like throwing them in a ladder match at that age was just irresponsible. It was like, you know, fucking hell, like you know. Um, yeah. But see, I, I had kind of been around, I guess, enough, a long enough time. Like I had debuted in like oh two, so mm-hmm. I'd been around long enough to uh, to kind of smell the bullshit. Do you know what I mean? And kind of. You know, in fairness, I wasn't asked to do anything. I I just said, look, Danny, I'm not fucking dealing with any outside shit. You and me will come up with it, and that's it. Yeah. Um. So I wasn't asked to do anything. So I can't say that I had first-hand experience of, uh, you know, I've been asked to do anything stupid or, or anything like that. But I definitely know what went on, and obviously you were there as well, so you know. Well, it's, you know, I, 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 I was there, but I wasn't there. As in, like, I had no involvement booking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or doing anything that wasn't call this match, you know that, that was it. It was to call this match, do yeah. some promo, do the media stuff. Because I, I said out, look, I want no involvement in this. Um, I don't want to be in the ring. I don't want to be involved with the boys. I'm just like, no, I'm just gonna call. Did you commentate on that show? I didn't commentate on that show. Um, that, that would have been funny because it would have been funny if I'm here. That would have been hilarious. Like, so you commentate on my match? I was like, I, I want that footage. That would have been hilarious. Yeah, it was just, and the worst that thing really is, would. I, the thing was, I don't have a lot of the footage from it, so and yeah. that's that's the worst part. I even like mm-hmm. some interviews I did with WWR. My first interview that I ever did with a wrestler, which was Kevin Vertic, you know, uh, Mordecai. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have that foot. I don't have the audio, and I wish I did. That's what sucks, isn't it? When you so, when you try and go back through some of the vault, it's like the same rules. I mean, we 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 debuted as a you know as a small little company, you know, in Bray in two thousand and two, and. I think, I think Paddy Morrow was actually the only guy that has all the footage on VHS, and I remember oh, wow. he's been meaning to, to kind of get it converted to DVD. I'm gonna have to fucking I say it every time. I'm gonna have to get onto him and try and get get the ball rolling on that. But it's it's it, it sucks because you know in in your head you remember the stuff as yeah. as if it was done yesterday. Yeah. But when you're trying to convey that to people, you, you know what I mean. You're yeah. like you, you can't show them. You know yeah. what I mean. And with the power of YouTube now, that that stuff would be great. Like. But the worst, the worst part about, and the same thing is from like a media perspective. Like, there's one thing about wrestling, and someone needs to literally be there, camming the whole thing or whatever, and it's kind of hard to get that. But when you're doing shows, again, like think of the time, 2007, 2008, 2009, is when I got started in it in the wrestling mm. media. Right? Dave wasn't recording the shows. He was well, he was, but he wasn't. Right? They they weren't yeah. recording the shows. Um, and I would be like, hey, please record the shows. I want them and you might get them you might not get them and there was always a problem trying to get them so a lot of them are gone I have none I have one of them I think 
I might have one. But um, that was always frustrating. And then near the end, before I went, then they were recording a lot. So even then, they were hard to get. But it's my one regret if I could go back where I'd be like, I'd want the shows. But look, yeah. it was what it was. And, I, you know, for all the things that happened, nothing personally ever happened to me. So I can't really, yeah. you know. But that's how I got my start, long story short. So it's yeah. not a shoe. It's a part of the story. It's what happened. But No, it's, yeah, it's yeah. It's, and it's, it's funny that we kind of are mutually involved in two completely different ways you know yeah. what I mean well yeah it's like the scene is, is that small but I didn't think you were that involved until we were talking today that's crazy yeah crazy. <laughs> yeah I've been around like the fucking plague for a long time you know <laughs> and now we're in a plague literally so yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's crazy but just getting off the subject of wrestling for a while then yeah. um, obviously let's talk about the nerd to know um, yeah. for people that don't know anything about it Give them a rough idea of what what kind of stuff you would talk about, but gen- generally, you know, maybe some of the. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, ask the generic question of, oh, what are some of your favorite shows that you'd recommend to people? But generally, you know, give them a breakdown of. Uh, I'm, I'm giving you the Vince McMahon. Sell me this pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look. You know, as I said, it's the actual show itself that's on Saturdays. It's kind of like a catch-all yeah. show for everything. So if there's a big news, it's like the way you'd, you'd format a wrestling podcast where you break down the news and have your topics but um this is kind of interesting because there's really not much happening now so you kind of look for the news and that but you know you adapt right or else you kind of sing so now we're going back and doing um speciality subjects so you know for example we're looking through the whole simpsons run season by season every week nice so that's one of the things we're doing um but like i would say that is kind of like the flagship so all the main news that's going to happen, the big topics, the big talk points of the week are going to be on that show. The rest of the network, I suppose, as it would be, um, they would have your speciality stuff. So your anime shows, your gaming shows. We have one that's literally about Pokemon, weird Japanese stuff. Um, <laughs> and then there's the wrestling one, which is the Rewind. And that's kind of the main wrestling content that I'm doing now, with the exception of the four Podmen. So the yeah. wrestling Rewind is, like last week, we talked about religion and wrestling, religious angles. No, so, that's interesting. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, no, and believe it or not, it's a topic that we talk for an hour about because there's a lot in it, right? Like, yeah, of course, and, yeah. and most of them involve the Undertaker, which is also a very strange true line. But um, yeah, Kevin Sullivan, I was thinking, yeah, he was one of the first people that popped in my mind. But Undertaker, yeah, would be it would be obvious, yeah, yeah, he, he, and he's in loads of things, you know, just you know, um, his feud with Shawn Michaels. His feud as a satanic cult leader. A lot of cult leaders in wrestling as well, like Jim Mitchell. and That's for sure. Too. You know, but that's kind of what we're doing now. We're kind of casting the net a bit wider, and there's, there's going to be more kind of shows coming along, and we're streaming a lot as well. So um, th- that's basically, if you're looking for a hub that kind of compensates everything, you know, go to Nerd to Know Media and check out the show. Yeah, it's pretty cool because, I mean, a lot of people may or may not know me. Like, I'd be... I, I, I'm one of those guys, uh, Carl, our mutual friend, Carl King, obviously on the podcast as well, and he's been, yeah. been on this show numerous times. He, he's always saying to me, like, it's so funny because you don't come across as a, a nerd. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, here's the thing. Everyone's a nerd about something. That's the truth. It is. Right? It so, is, yeah. If it's cars, if it's music, everything. And look, the thing about wrestling is wrestling has a lot of crossover with nerdy stuff. So mm-hmm. there's going to be that. Two things that always cross over wrestling. Wrestling fans are nerds and into metal usually, so mm-hmm. it's just it's just kind of the way, you know. Like I know Carl from uh, from the metal scene rather than from the wrestling scene or from the nerd yeah. scene, so it's kind of interesting. It kind of fully crosses over. 
Yeah, I know him from the metal scene too. Yeah, same, yeah. Um, same. I was in bands as well, and, and I know Carol years from from that scene too. It was just crazy. He was like, "Oh, you're a Chelsea supporter. I'm a Chelsea supporter. Oh, you, you <laughs> like wrestling? I like wrestling. Oh, it it just works. One of, those, one of those, one of those things. But um, yeah, it, it is, it is funny because I mean, pro wrestling has been obviously at the epicenter of of um, let's say entertainment. You know, since especially since the '80s on a worldwide stage. Yeah. Obviously, in the United States, for a lot longer than that. Yeah. Um, but it would have been no different, I guess, in the you know before the '80s, uh, than a you know us going to a, a gig, you know, a weekly gig or something like that. That's well, that, that's what. Well, that's what it. That's, the, that's what wrestling is, and you know, particularly exactly. when you go. Yeah, when you go to like a show, the show I do with the Rewind, um, I do with Dave Stevens, and he's from New Jersey. Yeah, and obviously New Jersey is like the epicenter of indie wrestling in the states, outside of um, outside of Chicago or Florida now, right? Chicago and Florida, yeah, and then yeah. New Jersey for sure. So New Jersey and Chicago were always kind of the the two. The two. You know I mean? So yeah. he's friend. So he's like we were talking about. He saw Ricochet from like working in gyms in front of four people. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he's friends with Tommy Dreamer. He, uh, you know, he knows all the, a lot of the ECW guys, and it's kind of funny because you're like, you just, they're just dudes, right? Like sure. because it's 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 like you know you see someone in a band, you're like, oh yeah, you know, there's such and such, and for them it's like, oh yeah, there's such and such, you know, and it's 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 a whole different kind of way of looking at it because you know there's like twenty or thirty different wrestling feds over there, like there, and I think your your comparison to the bands is actually very accurate because you know. We can go to a gig, well, outside of quarantine, we can go to a yeah. gig every week and they can go to a wrestling show every week compared to here where there is only one game in town, really. And, yeah. you know, and that's kind of it, you know, and outside of WWE coming over, that's the only wrestling you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, it's actually probably, you know, appropriate of us. And I guess we'd be doing people listening at the service if we didn't kind of talk about this um, because I've been asked my opinion on it. Um, I done a Facebook Live video there a little while ago, and I just kind of, you know, tapered over some of the some of the thoughts and, and opinions that I had on it. But this would be a great time to talk about it. Obviously, thirteen to fourteen people released by WWE. The other oh day. wow! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I want to convey here: um, I've always been looked at. You know, listen, I've been a wrestling fan since I was maybe four or five years old. You know what I mean? In the eighties. Yeah, I mean the first WrestleMania I seen was WrestleMania five, and which we mentioned before. Yeah. So I mean WWE, of course, is ingrained in my blood in the sense of that's part of my life. You know, as everyone, as everyone, if as you're everyone. wrestling, if you're wrestling fan, look, look, I love TNA. I worked for TNA. They're sure. they're my, I will defend them to the death. I have a lot of great memories of people in there. I know people, but at the end of the day, WWE is WWE. So it it is wrestling. When you, it's like you know when you talk about any major brand, wrestling is wrestling. So you know, we're going to have that those nostalgia goggles with WWE, but I, you know, I know where you're going, and I'm right there with you. Yeah, look, I'd like to just bring out some of their faults here now, and I mean yeah. properly bring it and properly to. call them on some of these faults. Um, yeah. I mean, I listen to numerous. You know, I'm a Jim Cornette guy in yeah. some senses. Yeah, that's not, true. Not all of his stuff, but you know, in a, in a lot of his ways, uh, he shares the same values on the art of pro wrestling as I do. So, of course, we're going to be in agreement. Um, they are, they're showing the republicanism really true at the moment, you know what I mean? And, and look, that's not a right or wrong thing to do because at the end of the day, um, the, the way the world has become is that you, you're shit on if you have an opinion or if you believe in, in something. So 
you know, 70% of my listeners are American, so they're listening here. Some of them are Democrats, some of them are Republicans. So I don't care which side of the fence you're on. At the end of the day, it's your right, it's your belief, and that's fine. Um, it's, it's gone very pro-Trump, which is fine too. Again, it's not, you know, that is what, again, he is the president of America. Some people like him, some people don't. Right. That's not what we're here to talk about, you know? No. And look, to, to accrue myself, I'm a libertarian, so I'm in the yeah. middle. But there you go, there you go. Um, I would be, you know, if I was to be something, uh, I, I, I wouldn't even rather say on here because it changes. Look, the thing is, you're, you don't have to, but I, I, like exactly. to be op- I like to be open about things. I'm, I'm in the middle with loads of things. I don't care what you do once I don't have to pay for it. <laughs> I probably, I probably <laughs> would be more along the lines of yourself too. I mean, in terms of when, when I look at in paper, you know, on paper and I look at the democratic values, I'm like, okay, I'd probably be on that side. Yeah. That, that, uh, and, you know, and I'd, I'd kind of be the same. I'd be like, yeah, socially, totally, you know, but yeah. politically, you share some stuff with Republicans as well. It's just, exactly. I, think, I think when you go too hard line on either, like, look, personally, and we won't get too much into it, but personally, no. I think the middle is a better way to be because, for sure, you know, it, it's kind of seeing both sides and, you know, it allows you to be more of a human rather than, I'm only going to vote for these people because they're part of my team. This isn't football. Yeah. This is fucking, you know, exactly. <laughs> people's lives, right? Exactly, exactly. It's not a football team where you love them unconditionally. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and they bring you that sort of entertainment. These people are controlling your the life. outcome of your life. Exactly. Yeah. But where I was kind of going with this uh, long-winded, I guess, uh, uh, wouldn't be a rant. It'd be more of a, a I guess, a claim would be um, WWE obviously have shown now that, you know, being on the Republican side has benefited them because they're now considered an essential service right. in, uh, in the state of Florida. Right. So again, that's, that's political. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In my opinion, it's quite clear. The writing's on the wall there. But well, also, look, just, before you, yeah, no, sorry, no, just before you chime in, I was just going to say, that's fine. That's fine. For me, always, 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 people can go back and listen to, you know, we're, this is episode 97. People can go back on you know, episode one mm. and see that I'll always come at it from a different, you're, you're, you have a background in media. I don't. So I don't right. come at it from a journalistic point of view, even though technically what I'm doing is journalism. hundred percent. I come at it from the worker's perspective. Right. right. How do you protect the worker? You yeah. know what I mean? How do you, and that doesn't just mean the, the guy in the ring. That means the, the crew, everybody involved. Yeah. Um, now 13 people have been cut. Okay, fine everyone's going to look to, you know, the big names that have been cut, the Rusev's, you know, um, the two boys, you know, the, um, oh, Jesus, Hawkins and Ryder. Um, I mean, they're going to be fine. They have a very successful YouTube channel and, and, and podcast as well in their own right. So I'm glad to see that they're going to be, they're going to be okay. Um, now, this is the point I'm going to make and we can then discuss. WWE have decided that they want to run weekly shows for whatever. You will have the narrative um, where, you know, they want to appease the, you know, Fox and the USA networks and they want to, oh, I don't buy that really, especially in a pandemic. I don't think that's necessarily, um, you know, I don't think that would stand up in a court of law. Do you know what I mean? That, oh, you didn't provide us uh, part of the contract. A lot of contracts become null and void because of this. 100%, yeah. Now, what I, I guess I want to suggest to you is they, they've trimmed basically the fat, which is what I look at it, um, people that can and can't travel, people that refuse to travel. Mm. Um, I mean, one guy that stands out to me above all is Mike Chioda, 1989. He's been there since, and he's 
probably one of the best referees of all time. You know, he's 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 gone. Uh, Finley's gone there a long time. Kurt Angle is gone, mm. and then one that stands out really is uh, Lance Storm. I mean, don't forget Lance Storm literally just packed up probably the best wrestling skill on the planet, probably one of them anyway. So there's um, just there's just a few things I want to just kind of tack on to that. Yeah, go ahead. They weren't let go. So a lot of them weren't let go. Just just to be just to be clear on that. There's a thing called furlough. Okay, okay. Right, so the talent, yeah, a lot of those are probably gone, right? But the actual trainers, and this is a misconception that I've seen online, okay. and I just want, I just want that, to make sure that that's it's... That's why it's good. Yeah, you can explain that then for the listeners as well, because, yeah, I, that's, because that's kind of where it was going to go, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that this is clear, because I've seen this a lot, right? So furlough is, we're sending you home. Yeah. We're not going to pay you, but when this is all done, come on back. So it's temporary leave, not too dissimilar to what's happening over here. In yeah, it's exactly, it's exactly the same. It's like if you work in a bar or something, you're not sacked, you're just at home. Laid off temporarily. Temporary, yeah. So like the actual backstage talent, like your Lance Stone, because when I heard that, I'm like, dude, he closed a school for you. That's, yeah, that's, that's terrible. But it's more like, no, look, we don't need, and the reason why is a lot of these agents, because they're not running shows, they're not running... Sure. All these shows in different arenas, they're not all around the world. They're literally in Florida, so they don't need... Yeah, they're not doing house shows and stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and okay. I, I, was watching, um, I was watching the figure four, uh, sorry, Rest of the Observer talk about it, and Solomon was talking about it as well, and that's kind of how I know what this is. So, yeah, the furlough is like a temporary leave of absence, right, where they're left, they're not getting paid. Now, they're not getting paid, which is terrible. Like, that, they should be getting something. But um, they probably they're, they're probably getting some of their downside or whatever you know but um yeah so a lot of these backstage people will probably be brought back like finley will probably come back um landstorm probably come back serena Deeb will probably come back i don't mike kyoto was a weird one i don't know that was totally bizarre um but yeah so i just wanted to clear that up no i'm glad you did too because i mean at the end of the day you know these podcasts can't all be about agendas either. Like mm-hmm. I don't have an agenda with WWE, as I, as I stated. Right. More more disappointment in, in some people being let go. But listen, this is a you know this is a business that we know you you know what you're doing when you're getting into it, basically yeah. as a, as a worker. Um, certain things happen. If right, they're going to be running the tree brands, so they're going to be running Raw, they're going to be running the SD, they're going to be running SmackDown. Mm. There's only a certain amount of stories and talent that they can go with in these times as well. Yeah. So a lot of these people that have been let go would be on the B and C shows. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, these shows can't be run. Yeah. Therefore, I, I can see both sides of the spectrum. This doesn't make it any better, you know what I mean, for me, because I hate seeing you know any, any talent lose their jobs. You know, especially... Let's not just talk about WWE guys here for, for a second. We're going to talk about every independent uh, guy out there and girl that can't make a living now. Uh, probably, in a lot of cases, the only thing that they know. You know what I mean? And look, not only that, where are they going to work? There's no jobs anywhere. Exactly. AEW, I mean, are, are weeks ahead of, of everybody. No, but, no, but, no but what I mean is I don't mean wrestling. I mean anywhere. Yeah. They can't stack, maybe stacking shelves is probably the only... That, that's probably it. Like Amazon are hiring in their warehouses and that's about it. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's not like 
they were let Eels go. In Ireland, if they want to do a bit of fruit picking, I'm sure the you know, <laughs> Eels will charter a flight from you wherever you are. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Once you're willing to work for slave labor, you know, that's the yeah. fly you in. Yeah. But um, it's <laughs> what a story that is. Crazy. We have to throw that yeah, in. That's crazy. That's unbelievable. To put but, a bit um, of context for our American viewers there, will, will, I, will I do it? Just yeah, like go it? on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Actually, I'll let you do it because I know you'll explain it better. <laughs> All right, sure. Um, okay, so basically Ireland's on complete lockdown. We can't leave two kilometers further than a house. Yeah. And if you do, you'll get arrested or fined, right? Yeah. However, Keelan's, which are uh, Irish um, strawberry fruit company, um, <laughs> brought in a bunch of basically slaves from Bulgaria into the country um, last night. And they're working for five euros an hour. Uh, yeah, during a lockdown. And the only reason that this story has come out is because a guard that was meant to be kind of keeping this hush hush posted it uh, was asleep on his phone. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, someone else caught it on tape. And yeah, yeah. Now, now Ireland's in mayhem. So. Yeah, and it's it's ridiculous because this is supposed to be this is this is supposed to be a lockdown, and you know I don't know how long you've been in quarantine, but I've been in a month and a half, and I'm getting very sick of it. So I'm like, yeah. what's the point of us doing this when it's been thrown away? for not even for profit because look listen i like strawberries but you're not going to be a millionaire from strawberries right so this is just ridiculous this is crazy anyway i'd love nothing more than to be shooting the shit with you right now face to face and having a beer oh sure yeah yeah, yeah. and it could be a three hour long podcast you know what i mean and because we've been talking about so much but yeah so that was a nice little segue as i said for our you know our non-irish listeners just to let you know some of the absolute ridiculousness that's going on over here. But yeah, back to your point. But what I would say on this is um, the, there's nowhere to work yeah. for the guys, right? I know I heard a lot of people say, oh, AW is going to pick up from this. Listen, AW are probably going to have to make similar decisions. I, I would expect similar decisions to be made from AW. Impact aren't running. Impact aren't hiring anybody. NWA aren't running. They ain't hiring anybody. You know, like this will probably bounce back. They a lot of them probably will come back. I feel I feel really sorry for EC3. I feel really sorry for Drake Maverick. I know those guys personally. Um, I really like Drake Maverick as a dude. He is awesome. Um, but you know, yeah. And I'm just like, this is horrible. You know, but he's still working. He's going to be in the 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 little round robin tournament they have. But I don't expect this to be a long term thing. They're going to have to come back. The American indie scene also. You know, I'm sure listeners and states know this. The American indie scene is completely dead right now. It's it's done, but it will probably restart up when this all kind of clears its way out. I'm I hope my hope is that the people released have enough money to get themselves through, and you know, be okay. But it's terrible. It's a horrible. I tell you what does bug me, and not what not what Vince McMahon may or may not have done. It's the way they put it that WWE are a family. I don't know about you, but if my parents were living in my house and I wouldn't throw them out because of a pandemic. No. They could have cut... And remember, like most of the savings, this is supposed to save $4 million a month or something like that. Most of the savings come from WWE not building their new headquarters. That's where most of the savings actually come from. They don't come from these cuts. But it's... I don't think this is a punishment either for people who didn't work because Gallows and Anderson got cut. And they were working the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. So it, it, it's more just kind of like a lot of these guys were coming for a while. I'm surprised some of these people were still working, still employed. 
Um, but I would say for anyone hammering WWE, AEW are probably going to do the same very soon. Um, Impact, I don't know what Impact are doing. Um, yeah, so, it, you know. it's, it's, yeah, like, so it could be a timing issue on a lot of things. And I mean, I'm going to say... XFL, remember the XFL is bankrupt now as well. Yeah, I mean, it's so, it's so strange. I mean, these kind of things are on Vince when I look at it, you know. These ventures that he uses, the WWE as a platform to go on, he's failed at everything. Yeah. Bar wrestling. And, he, and let's, let's you know, do this little history lesson just, just for people that think Vince is the golden god of, of the world of pro wrestling. Mm. Vince, um, Vince inherited, well, once he inherited, he bought a company very cheap from his father. Yeah. Um, the only reason WWE is the global brand that it is today is because he went against his own father's wishes of competing against all the territories. Yep. And instead of competing against the territories, Vince didn't put on a better show than anybody. He went and bought out their TV. Yep. So he went to all these little regional places and bought out their TV yep. and produced it massively, um, as Bishop has said, through, um, you know, through, through uh, what's the word? Um, syndication. Syndication, exactly. Yep. Um, so Vincent McMahon is a syndicator in a lot of ways, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he did. He, he, he revolutionized. And look, to be fair, he was ahead And it of is Earth. revolutionary, I agree, but it was cutthroat, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it was 100% cutthroat, you know, but to be fair, he revolutionized a lot of the way wrestling was presented, how it was on, like, yes. he changed pay-per-view, he made pay-per-view a proper thing. I would agree. Uh, WrestleMania, obviously, the whole idea of that and then having your big, your big pay-per-views every year. He did a lot of really good things, but as far as wrestling, it was never wrestling. Wrestling is like the byproduct of what he's doing. Yeah, he wants he always, movies. He wants movies. I mean, look it, at look at. Look I at. Dude, I wouldn't even say movies. I'd say anything but wrestling. <laughs> anything but wrestling. So bodybuilding, football leagues, and then movies. You know, I'm amazed he hasn't set up his own card trading company yet. You it's know, really it's strange. It's very strange for a man that legitimately did love wrestling, and I've seen him talk about wrestling, and he enjoys watching good wrestling matches. I mean, a little segue, a little story. Um, after he saw Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid wrestle in 84, I believe it was, in Madison Square Garden. Um, this is before the British Bulldogs or anything like that. Mm. When they'd done a little bit of a crossover thing with New Japan. Um, he saw that match and was like, that's probably the best match I've ever seen. Mm. Ever. So he, it's weird that he likes wrestling yet hates wrestling. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so strange. I don't think he hates wrestling. I think he hates that he's known only for wrestling. And it's kind of like Jericho. You know, like Jericho is probably the best wrestler of all time um, as far as approach and reinvention and all that kind of stuff. Sure, I agree. But, it fail, but he fails and everything else he tries because he's a wrestler, right? So Arthur, his books are okay, but they get kind of tried after the third one. Uh, his music is pretty decent, but it's hit and miss. Bad TV host um, in game shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I like I like him personally, but no, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. But he's but he's a master of wrestling, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, but he also he's not happy with it. He's like, no, I need to do more, and I think well, that's what Vince is as well. Well, I'll give you this one, okay? Right, there's not, there's not very many entertainers out there that can do everything. Um, it's a it's a select few. Yeah, and these are not elite by choice. They're elite in terms of their actual ability to adapt. And be yeah. just a master of everything. The Rock is a perfect example. You know what I mean? It, it's more like the stars kind of align and look. Like, think about it. The Rock, 
yeah, I really like The Rock as a movie star, like mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, but he started off pretty poor. Like The Scorpion King wasn't great. Uh, Doom, I like Doom, but it's terrible. Uh, he mm-hmm. was in a lot of really, really bad, slocky movies. But then it all kind of clicked for him, and now he's one of the biggest movie stars in the world. I dare say that it clicked for him in his role in Be Cool, actually. I thought that was Be Cool is fantastic. That, kind of, that showed his range, though. Exactly, exactly. That showed his range, yeah. And I think when you can do that, you know, it wasn't just an Arnold Schwarzenegger where you just dress him up and it was all about the body. It was actually yeah. a bit about the Interesting character. Um, another person I will do, and this is where, this is where I'm kind of getting with, with Jericho. Jericho's hero, you know, in, in life in general, seems to be Bruce Dickinson. Right. Um, and, you know, Bruce Dickinson, for me too, is one of my fucking absolute inspirations. Right. Bruce Dickinson is one of those very few people. Bruce Dickinson is a freak of nature, to be honest with you, yeah. in the sense that, you know, A, he's one of the best vocalists of all time in terms of range and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, what was it, 13 studio albums he's done with Maiden and then seven solo studio solo albums? As well, you know, yeah. So, I mean... This guy is just an absolute workhorse. I don't think he sleeps. And a pilot of a commercial airline as well. And, and written books, you know, completely nothing to do, as in a novelist, not actually fictional stories. Mm. Um, and I th- believe he was a world champion or close to being a world champion fencer on two occasions. Yeah, well. that's true as well. So, you know, I, I can see that because, you know, people growing up, like me would look at someone like Jericho as an inspiration. Jesus Christ, look at these guys. So Jericho's obviously grown up and looking at Dickinson as someone that's an inspiration. Another little beautiful uh, piece on Dickinson. I mean, the guy got cancer and was just like, ah, that's not going to affect me. It's yeah, no he just came back to come back at it, you know. In the throat of all places. Of all places, he's a singer. And yeah, it's look. But, right. but as I said, they're they're the kind of people that can do it. Rare but, people, though. Rare right? people that can do it, but yeah. like. Everyone, you, you can't be good at everything. You know, what's it? Ma, ma, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. And I think Vince is always that kind of guy where... For sure. WWE don't never need to run another show again. Ever. Ever. They don't need to. They could literally just pump out reruns until the end of time. Well, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean? No, like, no but I get, I get your point. I get your point. You know, with their tape library, they could do it. But Vince still is willing to risk everything he has to prove something to nobody that nobody wants. Like, look, by all, only himself. Yeah. Only himself. By all accounts, the XFL was pretty decent actually this time around. I heard that, yeah. By people that would be into it, I heard it was actually pretty pretty watchable, yeah. Pretty watchable. Um, also, you know, we, gone, we talked about the deals. Those deals, apparently the pressure is coming from Vince more than anyone else. Mm. Like, he made the call to go live every week. Nobody actually wants that. Because by all accounts, people aren't enjoying the empty arena stuff. Well, that's it. I mean, for example, people are talking about, I've seen, you know, I've seen people bring this one up. Oh, well, Goldberg, and you know I'm not a big fan of Bill Goldberg in general. Mm. Um, I'm not against him. You know, he's a great character. But in general, that's neither here nor there. Um, Bill Goldberg, oh, he was given $4 from Saudi money. Yes, from Saudi money, not from WWE money. That was Saudi money. Everyone was given millions from Saudi. That's the only reason why they went over there. Like, they wanted Yokozuna and the Open Warrior to wrestle on it. So that just shows you what, what way they're inclined. You know what I mean? And yeah, what, make, make it happen. Here's money. Yeah. You know? Um, the guys are dead. Sorry. Oh, well, okay. Who have you got? You know? Um, exactly. So I think the Bill Goldberg argument is silly. They've let, you know, people go and they've saved four million when they pay. Go- 
Goldberg has probably given them back that four million over the course of the year in the sense of t-shirt sales, uh, action figures, merchandise. Let's just say merchandise. And also um, the, the, the real big-time promotion of, of the old Monday Night War stuff and the promote, you know, the, the, net, the network. So Goldberg makes that company money, yeah. whether we like it or not. Um, he's still one of the biggest draws, you know, on a, on a global scale. Here's the thing as well, right? Vince doesn't like guys who aren't made by WWE. Yeah. If Goldberg didn't make WWE money, like real money, mm-hmm. he never would have been brought back. Hell no. Hell like, no. It's not like he has this great relationship the way Austin, Taker, and even someone like Kane and McFoley, who are WWE made. This guy's a WCW, like the WCW guy. Yeah, the guy, yeah. The guy, right? And it's like, unless he made money for WWE, Vince would have no interest. It's like uh, it's like Sting. People always ask Sting why he done that. Sting knew what WWE would do with him while he was in his prime. Yeah. You know, they, exactly. he knew that. Yeah. Um, that's why Steve Borden is a smart man, like a smart businessman. I'm sure you know that probably from hearing about stuff with TNA and all oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, But he saw an opportunity at the end of his career which I think is genius to make even more money, show his face on WWE. Fair enough, yeah, they, it was ridiculous the way they jobbed him at Mania. But at the same time, look at the amount of money he's probably raking in now from, uh, from action figure sales, T-shirts. T-shirt sales, video games, like, whole, whole new exposure, DVDs. It's like, look, I, 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 have about, I have about six, maybe seven to ten Stinger uh, Mattel action figures. Oh, yeah, same. Because he's different face paint. Yeah. All the time. That's that's a marketer's dream. But what's great, the thing about Sting is like, you know, his work in TNA was interesting. He could do a lot of really weird stuff and he did. Yeah, um, I thought it was good. Yeah. I thought a lot of it was really good. Mm-hmm. So was all of it good? No. <laughs> no, it was not. Um, was all of it decent? No, it wasn't. Um, some of it was really bad. But Some of it I was think, really bad. I think he, he had... Oh, Jesus, yeah. That's on Jeff, though. That's on Jeff, 100%. Um, but what I say is like, as far as who used him better as far as for as 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 the artist or as the performer um i think tna did because wwe would have just had him yeah we would have probably got that match with undertaker right at, at wrestlemania which you know what based on the boneyard match and the way they're they, that can actually happen now next year they could have a boneyard match in that way with sting versus undertaker that would be absolutely brilliant because the thing is taker come off like a fucking beast in that like an old oh, he, John he, Wayne. John Wayne coming. People have. It's funny. I'm glad you you, you brought that up there because people always say, "Oh, Ian, you're the you're the wrestler's wrestler type of thing. You're you're into the." No, I love that because what a way to use somebody. Um, I mean, AJ's working that was just phenomenal too. I mean, AJ's acting working that is here, very, gone very unnoticed. But here's the thing, Ian. Right, like I'm. I like a good wrestling match. Mm-hmm. Right, I love wrestling, obviously. But yeah, of course. If we had have had a wrestling match, like in the ring, with AJ and, and Undertaker, it would have been okay. AJ yeah. would have carried the whole thing, and it would have been okay. But you would have noticed Undertaker being slower. You would have seen him miss spots. It was more dangerous. Like, Taker doesn't need to wrestle again. No. Like, And here's the thing. Sting, it's too dangerous to throw Sting in a ring. Great. Don't put him in the ring. Yeah. Throw them both in one of these things, book it in that way, and they'll both look like what they are. Larger than life characters. Larger than take minimal minimal bumps. Minimal, minimal bumps, minimal yeah. Damage. And I then think, they can edit it like, oh, great. Well, like would Taker, I mean Taker's last 
good match probably would have been against Punk, right? Like, I mean, I we, actually we I went through it. That was his last great match, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, again, that a lot of that was on Punk. Yeah. You know what I mean? With his kind of creative uh, kind of ideas that he had for that. So, again, Taker is a, a beat down man. Like, you know what I mean? A, a it's guy, not his fault. He's he gave no. everything. He gave everything to the craft. Like, he's so six foot ten. There's a reason that the smaller wrestlers have longevity and the taller guys don't. Yeah, they, they just can't handle the. It's a long way to fall. Put it that way. You know what I mean? That's true. Put it back on a night to night basis. So. But what I'd say is, you know, we've been expecting Taker to retire for years. And a lot of the guys don't have to now. Like, I thought the the edge match with Orton was excessive. That's the other side of it, where it's a fourteen minute excessive match. It was too much, yeah. And I mean, I, I was really looking forward to that. Yeah. So was I. So was I. Mm. You know, so maybe they could have benefited from something like that, or sweetening it up a little bit, cutting it here and there, cutting ten minutes out, making it a bit tighter. You know, but the, what they did with the Bonier match that actually gives us a way now to have the Undertaker wrestle people from the past that maybe he never got to. So Sting, he never... When I interviewed Austin, one of the matches that Austin always wanted to have was with the Undertaker at WrestleMania. It never happened. That could happen now. Austin would love something like that. And I mean, Austin, I mean that would be a hell of a thing to see. Like that's, what, that, that's what I would do. If I, was, if I was handing the book for Undertaker's match, I'd be like, right, we are going to have dream matches in the safest way possible. And this is how you do it. And what about like street fights and no holds barred matches in general? That's a great way of, of, of. I mean, this is kind of landed in their lap in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, I mean, well, street fights. I mean, still, street fights still. Those two matches still have to end in the ring. Hmm. So they're still ring based matches. Move yeah. them away from the ring and pre-tape them, because that's what I mean. You know, yeah. yeah, like it's. I don't think after a certain age, guys need to be in the ring bleeding all over each other and you have Flair versus Hogan from TNA. That's what we're talking about after a certain age. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. You don't need yeah. that. The guys, Let the guys have some dignity. Let's present them as what they are. Yeah. Larger than yeah. life characters. And I would love to have, a, like, see Austin versus Undertaker in a bone yard. Even not a bone match, in like a broken skull match. Right? Call yeah. it something ridiculous like that and then, you know. That's actually a great show. Yeah, that's what I do. That's a great show. Like, I mean, you know, and that's thinking outside the box on these things, and that's that's what we are with WWE now. Like this is not just a wrestling company. This is this is like one of the biggest, largest corporations, you know, in America. Yeah. Um, and they do they do Hollywood. You know what yeah. I mean? And I thought and I thought they did. That was the best. Uh, I think Jim Cornette even said it. Like I don't know if I can grade this match as a wrestling match because it's not a wrestling match. He goes as a as an action scene. It's probably the best action scene in any movie ever. Because the fighting looked legit. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the way they were talking to each other. I thought Taker was awesome the way Brilliant. he was talking. Exactly. You like, know, this old man, 30 years, boy. I was like, <laughs> you, know, you don't stick around for 30 years and not know a thing or two. I was like, this just makes Taker look so fucking but even cool. even with AJ saying, you know, does Michelle know you're out this late and stuff like that? It was, it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I it, it really kind of incumbents. Like, here's the thing, right? If they did this every week, it would suck. But it's a WrestleMania thing. So they can do it yes. every year at WrestleMania. And you're like, okay, well, now I know we have this coming up. And we have this coming up. And every year you're expecting yeah. it. And, you know, you can top it every year until Undertaker actually retires, which will probably be in... I, look, if you kept doing wrestling matches, you might get a year or two of them. You keep doing this, you'll get about six to ten years out of them. Easy. I agree. I agree. Easy. Yeah. Easy, you know. And uh, as I said, you know, you can bring back guys who are maybe on the cusp but can't do it. Like, Austin probably can't wrestle a match. But he could do this. Sting wants to wrestle a match, probably cleared, this would be better. 
cane, you could have another thing. You know, you can do this kind of stuff where you take them off, shoot it in a day, and it's there. And I think, you know, this WrestleMania, for all the horrible things that happened this year, we have discovered the future of wrestling. As yeah, far I agree. as at a certain age. Like, I'm sure if you'd have asked someone like Bret Hart, would he have loved to do that type of thing with Vince McMahon? Would it look better when they had their match at Mania? Yeah. That would have looked so much better in a football. Yeah, but he wouldn't have done it. No, I know, because he, again, he is a wrestler's wrestler. Yeah, he's a wrestler's wrestler. He's a purist, you know, so. Yeah, no, look, I understand I, that. I well, you understand that. what I mean by that. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, and it, it's because, the, because, because of one thing, editing. Exactly. It doesn't have to be live. It can no. be, you know, they can take a little break. Even the way they had the little blood on Taker's arm where it looked like he busted it through the, I mean, that was purely a prosthetic, you know, prop. Like. But it looked great. It added to it. Oh, like, It added to it so much. My missus doesn't even watch wrestling. She was like, did he really hurt his arm there? And I was like, well, there you go. Uh, that's, magic. What, that's what kayfabe's meant to be. You know what I mean? But see, that's the thing, you know, like, you know what it's like from, from performing. There's nothing like live wrestling. Lads in the ring telling a story. Yeah. However, you don't need to be in the ring to tell a story because it works like a movie. You know, and stuff like this is just the way to do it. Now, look, TNA did stuff like this um, to mix results. Impact, when we became Impact, they really did this with the broken Mahardy stuff. And that worked really, really well. And he kind of came up with this new way of doing it. So fair play to Matt. But um, yeah. WWE with their production values and experience. And here's the thing. Jeremy Borash actually put this match together. Oh. All the TNA lads actually put this match together. So JB was involved. And he was there with Triple H working with it. So fair play to JB. Um, also one of the yeah. best guys in the, in the business is JB. Um, I'm glad he wasn't cool. I would have been devastated if he hadn't been cool. I'm not going to lie yeah, to you. Yeah, Jeremy Borash is all Love Jeremy Borash. Been a long time. And, uh, Great guy. I think his first time we had seen him in Ireland was with the WWE. 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 Believe it or not, believe it or not, my dad's project right now was going through all the old videos, right, yeah. VHS tapes. And uh, yeah, I actually have one of my first wrestling shows, WWE, on yeah, it. So I actually have the full thing now on, on digital. I'll give it to oh, you. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. I would absolutely love that. I was there. I mean, yeah, it was so my first... It was my first time actually getting to see the likes of Bret Hart and Jeff. Yeah, it's, it's when Bret Hart came out with the belt. He yeah, was the commissioner. The commissioner, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, that was but great. Was shooter, yeah. But when I was watching it, Jeremy Warsh, I'm like, oh my God, it's Jeremy Warsh. I forgot yeah. he was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember someone stole uh, someone stole Conan's shirt and he came back out for it. Do you remember that? I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I literally watched it because I have it on tape. So. Oh, dude, you'll have to send yeah, me that. I will send it to you. Send it's great. Like, I'm glad I have that, you know, but he's been there so long. Like. That would make my weekend. I remember that because I was on one of the little tier. I was actually on the front tier just overlooking the ring, you know, up on, on top. Yeah. And, um, I remember seeing that, like, Conan threw a shirt into the ground and then realized, oh, shit, I need that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come oh, back and it was, like, it was a big thing. Of course, like, an Irish person would cause shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, um, no, great, great stuff. Like, I suppose kind of as we wind down, like, um, looking at the state of wrestling where it can be, I mean, yeah, I do have beliefs that probably maybe challenge your beliefs in terms of the AEW-WWE thing, and it's right. not but it's more on a broad scale, not on now, not on the now. Right. I think, um, I think they can probably be the company that benefits from this in the sense that um, a lot of their stuff is pre-taped, whatever. Okay. Would well, they, they, well, they tape five weeks? They, they, tape tape, five they, weeks. they have taped five weeks. So they're, they're, okay. they're good to go now for the next five weeks. Okay. Well, what I was thinking though was in the sense that, right, you're talking about, I think the re Vince kind of wants to keep the show running. If I'm being honest, I think that's why. I think Vince knows legitimately that at some 
point, he's got another billionaire challenging him mm. that could potentially be a threat. I'm not saying it is a threat, but could, that's the way Vince thinks. Do you uh, know look, what I mean? I... And they have more money. AEW was a t-shirt company until it wasn't. Right. For sure, I agree. I agree. And I like AEW, but I said this to you the first time I met you actually when we were doing yeah, the show. We had a, yeah, I was saying, you know, I had I just come back from like I was away for work and then I'd, I'd gone on vacation and um, I, I missed AEW for like five weeks. And then when I went back to it, I didn't miss it, but I went back and watched WWE and I'm like, why don't I miss it? And that's that's kind of like the big red flag for me because I really enjoyed AEW all the way up until I had I was away, and um, that's the thing. It doesn't hook me, and I don't. And until they're able to crack that kind of hook into you, where it becomes like, for example, wrestling. Like I love the way AEW do their shows on Saturday. I think that's a genius idea because it means you're not dead and work the next day. You're actually mm-hmm. able to watch it and enjoy it. Um, I love the show. I think the show is great. It has my favorite commentator of all time. Jeremy Warash, uh, not well, Jeremy Warash is my favorite commentator, but I mean, not, not, uh, uh, Tony Giovanni. He's mine Thomas. too. That's I love Tony Giovanni. Tony Giovanni. Well, well, you and me are both WCW guys. Though. Exactly. Like that, yeah. that, that's why I like commentating because I want to be Tony Giovanni, right? So I'm <laughs> saying, yeah. Um, but that's going to be their world champion. Exactly. That's going to be their world champion. Exactly. So Tony Giovanni and uh, Jim Ross. So like, come on, best commentator team right there by definition. <laughs> And I and I do think they're doing a good job. Subject to what people are saying, this new breed of of, of wrestling fan, uh, I find myself now. Obviously, being a podcast host, a lot of them listen to this show, so I, I don't want to offend them in the sense. But I guess my advice to them would be: current thing, the reason wrestling is where it is today, and people like it so much, is because of this, because of the Jim Rosses, because of the Tony Giovannis. Look, These you, are the you storytellers. Need, yeah, look, you need some. Uh, you go back and you watch some of the the matches, right? Without commentary, without decent commentary, it loses a massive element because uh, you a know huge percent, huge percent. They're the ones selling the story, and I think yeah. that's something that needs to be remembered. And like some of the WWE guys are doing it, but the, you know that's lost. So when you go to AEW and you're seeing it, the presentation is all kind of there, right? But what yeah. I'd say is. They have the presentation, they have the TV, they have that look, they have the talent, but they don't have the yeah, they don't have that extra hook that makes it part of your life as a wrestling fan. And that's I'll the thing. I, I'll tell you what I think in that. I think they're nearly there. They in, are in a lot of ways. Very nearly there. Very nearly there, yeah. I'll tell you what they're doing wrong, in my opinion, of course. Okay. Um again. They're very WCW like in a lot of ways, which is what I love. I think and it's that's great. What I love. That's I love it. I love it. It's I love it. Yeah. But the problem is they're having the same management problems that I that WCW had in the sense that they're allowing inmates to run the asylum. This idea of this idea of uh, Kenny Omega, who's never been a star anywhere other than Japan, hmm. but in his own mind he's already a star in in you know in America. He, he's he only wants to be a star to the people that already know. Him. But so does Cody. But so does Cody. That's the problem. Well, Cody, in a sense, he, he, Cody's a bit has a little bit more elasticity in in the sense that he still has a, a, a story that he can get behind because you know who he is. He's got the Rhodes name there, okay, and he's got the brother thing going on, okay. Kenny Omega, who is this weird looking video game character? Like he looks great. He See, that, that's that's the appeal of like that's it. Like I I, I I'm, I'm a big New Japan fan, 
So no, I like, sure, I like sure. I'm talking about I'm talking about from right, you know, to use a, a Russo question. You know, if I'm flicking the channel, why do I want to stay watching this weird exactly. video? That's so, the, exactly you're right. You're right. Cody yeah. has enough emotion in his facials and in his, his work that I can get behind and I won't flick the channel. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm a casual fan and I'm flicking, I mean, again, the other half. Her favorite thing now to watch is AEW if I'm watching wrestling. Because really? she because she watched the match with um, Cody and and um, Dawson, and she well, was that, like, was, that was a great match. I mean, that, that, yeah, well, it's the best great. wrestling match in the last ten years. Um, but again, just just going on on pure, you know, the casual viewer is the best way. So I can see like Hangman Page. There's a star ready to be wait. Like he's like he's like a sleeping star ready to be woke. But yeah. give him some backstory. Like why? Why is he drinking beer now? Why is he falling out with the elite? Yeah. The problem is they think their their ego is so big because they are indie people. Don't forget, yeah. is that they've never been broken in by proper fucking you know guys, as in like had agents, TV agents Working showing them how to get over on yeah. TV. Yeah, that's not their fault. No, but it's just it's a, it's a problem that people have with the books. Exactly. Like, if you think about, I mean, there's Kevin Sullivan's a freebie there. Like, I don't know how they haven't sought advice from Kevin Sullivan in some way, shape, or form, just from matchbook. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, right? Um, a lot of mutual friends of mine, as you, I come from NWA, you know, Hammerlock and Ireland, and right. um, Jimmy Havoc obviously is a product of, of um, NWA. Mm. I, you know, I'm probably going to get slaughtered for this. I don't see the value in him in a lot of ways, to be honest with you. Well. Um, that's you know, well, I mean, like Session Mott and all great friends with him. Jordan Devlin are great friends with him. I'm friends with them. I'm not saying Jimmy Hobbit can't work. I know he can. Mm. But what I'm saying is I don't see the value of that character right now. What right. is that where's makes more back, sense. Where's yeah. the backstory there? But see, that, not, that, see that's what I'm saying. This, this is what I said to you even on the, the four po, uh, Podman show we were, we were doing. It, it's booking, right? Like if you don't have someone booking. telling the story or being the storyteller, for the yeah. lads to go in and portray, it's just going to be yeah. very flat. And yeah, like AEW, talent, yeah. like what storyline? Here's the thing. Here's a good question for you and for your listeners. Mm. What's your favorite story in AEW right now? You see, I can't tell you. Um, yeah, can I? And I watched, and I watched the show. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah it's it, it's um it's the elite versus uh, the inner circle. But okay, what story? So it's is WCW that? versus NWO. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. And here's the thing, that, that only has so much until it becomes passe. So what they need to do is this this whole elite thing, it shouldn't have even right, it's called all elite wrestling. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. The elite should be basically presented as characters like the four horsemen. Yeah. As a band of brothers. You never see them as a band of brothers. You just hear about it. Yeah. They should be coming out on every show and it should be maybe 10, 15 minutes long, the same way the horsemen or the NWO used to open up uh, WCW. And they should be talking just in general because the yeah. boys can all talk. Well, our fucking Kenny Omega, the boys can all talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he can't, to be honest with you. When he talks, it's like it's like you know you see Mike Tyson and you go, "Jesus, he looks like a dangerous man." And then and like, he talks. Hey, it's like gunshots, you know. But they should, like, see, they need a heater for him. They need exactly. a mouthpiece, and they don't have one. Although I think that's ego because there's no one over the mind. Hey. Why isn't Aaron Anderson his heater? That would have been a perfect heater. Why is he Cody's? Cody's can talk. That would have been, yeah, that's a great show. You know what I mean? Great show. Aaron Anderson, Tully Blanchard, you know, any of these guys um, that are there. Even DDP DDP is there. 
there you go. You know? So get get them used to being around this type of star, like mentoring them on how to fucking work TV and how to get over as a star. Because I'll be honest with you, the Kenny Omega, um, you know, myself and Finley Martin had a really long and depth conversation about this. And he's a big Kenny fan as well, like you. Um, Yeah, he he would be. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of Kenny Omega's uh, in the sense that the guy can work. I just, you know, for me, his matches, like, I don't, I don't flip out over the, you know, hour-long matches and near-fall stuff. It's just not my bag. But I it's look, it, 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 like it. it's the style. It's 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 what it is. It's that New Japan yeah. indie-rific style that yeah, you know, like you're gonna like or you're not gonna like. You know? Yeah, like it's horses for courses. And listen, exactly. like, I mean, I remember someone tried to say, "Oh, you just don't get New Japan wrestling." I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I was like, "Listen," I said in two thousand and two, I was fucking ordering New Japan VHS. From high spots yeah. before you even knew New Japan was a thing. So yeah. I know the culture of New Japan and yeah. the matches. The Dave Meltzer of the world has fucking just created this illusion, just like his whole career, this illusion that he knows what he's talking about. Um, I, and I would say that kind of colors a lot of the, the perception around New Japan. Like, does, look, yeah. not everything in New Japan is great. It's no, just, no. The stuff you hear about is great because it's the best that they have, right? Yeah. It's like it's like with WWE. You hear the best stuff until you watch it and you're like, oh, this is pretty bad. <laughs> you know, but some of it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's the same you thing. You see, you get someone, you get a journalist like Finley Martin who calls it like it is. Back in the day, he was always banging on him about New Japan. And Man, I had a power slam the subscription yeah. until the end. So yeah. I know what you're talking about. Exactly. So, um, you know, it was... It, but he was commenting on re- that was New Japan wrestling. They they weren't all high spots and hope spots and stuff like that. There was no. legitimate fights there that looked like fights. Good good stuff. So, Strong style, yeah. So this Dave Meltzer, you know, point system or star system, whatever he wants to call it. I mean, look, his head's up his ass. He's obviously on steroids. He's nearly what eighty odd years old or something like. He's he's just a goon. But. Mm. The fact is, you've got real journalists out there, even like yourself, who comment on the product as they see it and very, very fairly. So there's no way of grading a match. Much way, there's no grading a fucking movie, really. If you Here's like- the thing. Like, look, I'm not a worker, right? Yeah. So I might say something like, oh, the work's a bit loose there or something like that. But again, I'm not a worker, so I don't grade matches like that. The way I look at a match is, right, does it entertain? Was it put together believably, and did the story come across correctly? And there, that's how that's how I would do it because one, I try to take that, you know, casual approach, but also look at it in a wider perspective. Because at the end of the day, the whole point of telling a wrestling story is not to look at the matches and look at the moves and the flips and that. Because yeah. why would you do that? You know, most people go see a movie; they're not saying, "Oh, the acting chops and the visual effects are incredible." No, they're like, <laughs> "Was the story good?" Because <laughs> that's all that really matters. You know, you have the best effects in the world and the best actors, but if the story is terrible, you're not going to care. Ju- Jupiter Ascending is case in point of that in a movie concept. Yeah, I was actually going to give you a little uh, little nugget there. Um, you're a horror fan, obviously. I am. Yeah. Um, have you subscribed to Shudder TV yet? I'm thinking about it. It looks fantastic. My friend, I'm going to be the guy now that pushes you over the edge on that. Right on. Do it. Um, I've had it now for about two months. Initially, I think you get the first month free or first week free anyway. Right. Um, there's a line of films on it called, now they're really, they're almost Z movies. Like, um, They're found footage horror, and I'm not a huge fan of that anymore. But right. These are really good. It's called Hell House, but it's, it's a trilogy. Oh, wow. Okay. Hell House 1, 2, and 3. So you need to watch the 3 right. for it all to make sense. 
But my bad galley, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's it's well worth watching. There's also a movie on it called The Summer of '84, right? Which you'll enjoy. It's um, it's got a lot of that Stranger Things feel about it. Oh, nice! Um, like they use oh, the, the the soundtrack in it is unreal. It's all '80s movie, but it's a really budget Canadian uh, okay. movie. But I wouldn't call it horror. I call it more thriller slash. You know, basically the premise is that it's these group of kids, much like Stranger Things, right? And um, that live in a small neighborhood. It's a boring summer, and uh, these teenagers keep going missing. One of the main characters believes that it's a cop that lives next door to him, right? And it goes from there. So I won't tell you anything. It's really, really cool. Uh, you know what? I've been on the fence for a while actually for that because I am a big horror fan. Actually, the band itself, we're actually we're going to shoot a music video when this lockdown goes yeah. with yeah. an actual uh, horror film maker. So we're gonna make we're, we're gonna make a slasher movie basically for Hell yeah. the song. So yeah, good good show. I actually will check that out because that's gonna be pretty badass. Yeah, no, do it's so many great stuff, and then there's old classics on it like you know Chopping Mall and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh man, Chopping Mall! I haven't seen that in so long. Chopping Mall, great and all that, uh, fantastic. I watched um, I watched Night of the Demons there the other night. I mean, that, in, like the original one from the eighties. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant movie. The remake is not not that good though. I didn't even watch the remake, man, uh, because I, I, I gave up with remakes, A, after Ring, Ringu, uh, right. and then B, after The Fog. When I saw what they done to The Fog, which is my favorite John Carpenter movie, mm. I was like, you know, and this is a great way to segue, because horror is my, my thing, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah, I'm big fan. Like, yeah. Huge it's fan. It's like, you know, I mean, the only time I ever get torn on a Dracula is when you ask me about Lugosi and Christopher Lee. It's like, shit. Both Actually, <laughs> uh, when I worked for What Culture, uh, I was also working for The Sun and they let me interview the guy who actually ran the vault yeah. for Hammer Horror. Oh, shit. I'll try to dig that out and send it to you because I, I, I don't know where the, the audio's gone. But uh, yeah, that was a great interview. And he sent me out, Hammer sent me out a bunch of stuff after it. So yeah, oh, man, I love Christopher, Lee. love Christopher Lee. I'm super jealous. Um, dude, him and Peter Cushing. Oh, you know, unbelievable. The, the actually, what's your, what's your favorite Hammer Horror movie? That's a really good one. Put you on the spot, but what's your favorite one? Can I give you two? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to say The Hound of the Baskerville. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm going to say yeah, The Hound of the yeah. Baskerville. Or I'm going to say uh, The Gorgon. That's a fantastic one that not many people have seen. That yeah, yeah. My, my two, yeah, my two favorite ones are, you know, uh, The Devil Rides Out. Oh, beautiful. And, and To the Devil, A Daughter. Nice. Two kind of cultish movies. Oh, man. You know what? They're the only movies that scare me. Yeah. No, slashers, they, they... slashers don't scare me. Zombies don't scare me. Plagues don't... All that yeah. stuff. Occult horror scares the hell out of me. Because it's real. Because like, yeah, cause you can't defend against it, right? Like, a guy with a knife, you're like, look, I have a shot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> zombies, I have a shot. Um, the, 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 the mass occultic, I probably don't. <laughs> it's just like we're probably screwed. Another one that kind of scares me, but it's there's not enough movies done in this genre or not done right anyway, is uh, like ufology or UFOs and stuff like that. Because yeah, it's it's hard like, to I, do. It is because as I said to, I was I was scared of shit out of the missus one night. It was this red light that just kept blinking outside, and I was like, imagine that was just a UFO monitor in you. Now. Like, huh. And she was, and like in a dark room, she's kind of like, oh, thanks for that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but it could happen. I was like, you know, yeah. Dracula's not coming in your door. Like yeah. that's that's not gonna happen, but it's true. I've I've always found that they've never made a proper. I mean, Dark Skies was okay. It was pretty pretty good 
attempt. Uh, I think the fourth kind was okay, but a little bit too much screaming and, you know. Yeah, see, that's it. You know, they, they, anytime they try to do it, they kind of fall into the, the tropes of a horror movie rather than trying to, like, tell a good kind of story, you know. So they haven't figured it out yet, but they might, you know. But again, what year they're going to go big action or you're going to go really low budget. Maybe you and me can put our heads together for something like that and come up with an idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> not a bad show, you know. Why not? Because I love, I love uh, you because it's like, I, I think I heard Jericho say it the other day, like, that's the one thing of all, you know, you've got your Loch Nesses and your Bigfoots and, you know, Flat Earthers. Mm. The UFO one is still the one that you just don't know. And, yeah. and, and there's just too much cover-up on something. You know what well, I mean? Well, I'll give you one. We were doing a panel at Comic-Con last year, and it was the first time doing a panel. Uh, we've done loads since with Nerd to Know Media, right? But uh, I was there the day before, and we went to the UFO panel, and had, like five minutes in, all this technology broke. What? Yeah. And he's like, this is weird. I don't know what happened. But all the technology broke. All of it. It was unreal. Unreal. We're like, what? How? This is crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, I've got a, there's a couple of UFO podcasts that I listen to. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get some of the guys that actually host, host them on. Um, THC is good uh, with Greg Carwood. Yeah, that's really good. There's one called Air of Strange Skies as well, which is really good. Yeah. Um, you should check out. Um, Look, I, I was I, I used to have a subscription to Coast to Coast AM, so oh, send, send me on Mark, everything because I'm a big Mark fan Bell. of yeah, Mark dude, Bell and George Murray. You probably heard of this podcast, um, One Thousand Histories, Mysteries, and I think it's called Legends. Um, it's this old guy. Say old guy. I've done a podcast from the other day that's going to be coming out soon, probably next week as well. Oh, nice! Really Check cool guy. But his, his concept is so good, and his 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 business idea is so good, is that. He tells stories from history, but like not with any spin on them. Right, but, just straight stories. Oh man, it's brilliant! Like talks about Roswell, you know, talks about Alexander the Great and stuff. But it's really good. He does brilliant. it way where it makes you question. Somewhere in the skies is another good one. The Graveyard Tales. I don't know if you've heard that. I have. Graveyard Tales. Two two hicks basically just yep. having a, shooting the shit. Really good. And then Unexplained, which I think is probably. I love the Unexplained. That's his, one of my favorites. Oh, it's brilliant. Voice, his, pre- his presentation is great as well, where it's like little, small, little chunks that are forty minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. that's probably the best. Um, that's probably the best podcast out there. I think it's won awards um, as it, well. It, I found it by accident one day, and me I love too. it. Yeah, me too. Um, who else is good? Uh, Darkness Radio is good as well. If you want more kind of the occult yes. stuff with Dave Schrader. Uh, yeah, really so, good. So there we are, guys. We're giving people free plugs. These motherfuckers better. Uh, <laughs> hey, if you want to have Ian on it, you know that'd be. I'd listen to you guys with, with any of those people. That'd be awesome. Oh, dude, 100%. I'd love to, we'll, we'll have a chat soon about something because, uh, you know, you have that whole network to going and yeah. a couple of ideas I had, you know, that could help with that sort of, uh, your door's open. There. It is open. Why is my door opening? That's, um, I don't know. That's why the door's closed. My cat wants to come in. Oh, yes, it's my cat. Well, that's yeah, okay then. At least it wasn't a gray alien. No, it was my fat cat. <laughs> Hold on. We'll, 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 we'll show it to everybody. But we'll, ah, look at that. We can have a chat about that because I think there's an opening in the market for, um, you know, in Ireland for, you know, some of these stories to be told, you know. Listen, man, if, if you if, if you want to do a podcast where we talk about conspiracies and aliens, let's do it. That'd be I fun. think so. And we'd have to, we'd have to be our, a brand new show. Just oh, to, yeah. Just the two of us doing it. So I think there we go, guys. Look at this. Negotiations happening right now on Dynamo's Dozen. On air. There we go. Live on air. So look, Sarah, it's been uh, been absolutely great to have you. 
Um, obviously, <clears throat> they're going to hear from us again probably next week with the uh, with the four pod men. It looks like it's really neck and neck between Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle at the moment. Who's winning now? Do um, you know? I think Kurt is up by about 3% oh, okay. uh, out of he's all of them. Well, they still have time to vote, right? Uh, there's about four days to vote. You've got the weekend to vote, yeah. So by Monday, it'll be done. Okay. Well, then we'll, we'll know. Keep, keep an eye on social media then to find out. Yeah, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really cool. I'm happy to talk about either uh, either guy and, and research both. So, but look, Sarah, we'll um, we'll have a chat again. Um, obviously, we'll we'll, we'll uh, hopefully we, who knows this uh, pandemic may have a brand new show out of it. So. Well, man, you know I'm available anytime you need. Even my oh. cat will my cat will probably join us again though because you can't keep them up. That's okay. <laughs> I'll get my dog as well. And yeah, there we go. Through, uh, through through the lens of, of exactly. social distancing. Exactly, exactly. Well, listen, Dara, uh, that leaves me just to say one thing. Thank you for being my guest. And uh, Dynamo is over and out.